Welcome to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast, the show made by casual players for casual players. This week, we're going to go over our experiences that we had last weekend in Denver and... Where'd you go, Nick? Uh, White Cab Comics, which is in, located in uh, Standale, Michigan. Roger that. We, we went to the pre-releases and I think we all ended up having a pretty good time and did fairly well in in the events we took part in so how was it what did you what did you guys think about the rise of the eldrazi pre-release event I'll let you go how about you nick yeah all right well you know what i really and maybe this is just because i feel like i did well but i actually really enjoyed the set in terms of what it had to offer for a sealed pool for me at first glance i thought i was just like oh, man i just got hosed with all my cards and then the more i mulled them over i realized that I actually had some pretty sweet cards, and uh, that there was a lot of fun stuff that could be done with the set. Not surprisingly, in uh, Jund colors for me. Hmm. What were what were some of the bomb cards that you were able to get? Some of the cards that were definitely like uh, my champs. This is something I have to brag about a little bit, but <laughs> I pulled three Stagger Shock in my sealed pool. Ooh! Wow! Wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I pulled. In fact, I have a picture that. Of me holding, well, at least somebody holding my three stagger shock, and uh, you know we're giving the thumbs up, yes, going in, and that was basically what told me I was playing red. Was when I pulled three stagger shock, I said, "Oh, for serious," and then I put them in. I, I definitely I decided I was in red no matter what happened. Some other uh, good main contenders in my deck, I had red, but then uh, also for removal, I found some really good uh, cards, such as induced despair. Which, uh, Ooh, yeah. I don't remember that for one. Two and a black. That? It's an instant. As an additional cost to cast induce, in, induce Despair, reveal a creature card from your hand. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the revealed cards convert a mana cost. Now, I also happened Ouch. to pull one Ulamog's Crusher and mm-hmm. two Hand of Imrakul. Yay. So, with Induce Despair, I could kill pretty much anything that hit the table, no matter what. Pretty much any Eldrazi, ex- with the exception of um, rare ones, was going yeah. to go down to an Induced Despair with an Eldrazi in my hand. I just had a lot of good uh, synergy between my removal and the creatures that I had. In addition to the Induced Despair, I also happened to pull Disaster Radius. That one is also, as an additional cost reveal a creature card, it costs 7 mana, two in, or 5 and 2 red. Um, reveal the creature card, deals X damage to each creature your opponent's control where X is the revealed card's mana cost, converter mana cost. So with a Hand of a Miracle or any creature, you can pretty much wipe out your opponent's board, which I did with just enough uh, on the board for lethal at that point. It was a pretty uh, stalemated game until I drew that card, um, which is pretty exciting for me. Definitely. So you were pretty fortunate to get a lot of Awesome removal. Pretty powerful removal. I think that that was the thing that helped me out a lot, is that there were definitely some bomb cards that people, they had, um, and most of them could be either dealt with a Stagger Shock or an Induced Despair uh, to get rid of them. I also had drew one Flame Slash, a foil one, which was nice. also nice to see every once in a while when they had a, a significant creature on the board. I could, you know, toast. swing second main phase. If they if it was too big, you know, they block and then toast it with Flame Slash. It's a actually really powerful card for four damage for one red, even at a sorcery speed. Hmm. Pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty amazing creature removal right there. Yeah. Well, speaking pretty of nice. cards like that, was there anything that you picked up that 
maybe you thought, you know, when we were talking ahead of time that you thought was not that useful, but when you threw it in your deck, it was like, wow, that thing really changed things. Sarkin the Mad, uh, I would <laughs> say, I didn't think he was going to be super ridiculous, but he was super ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he could turn anything, he would, see, the thing was, I had a lot of Eldrazi token generators, like Nest Invader, Brood Birthing, which, by the way, Brood Birthing can lead to a turn three Hand of Immerakel, which means good game to your opponent, unless they have <laughs> some way of getting rid of it, such as Oust or anything. Really, in reality, you can play a turn two Nest Invader or, um, I forget, the, the two damage, uh, one or one damage for two mana, get a uh, Eldrazi token. I don't know if I can think of what it's I called, but anyway. I didn't pay too much attention to red. Yeah, that one... Um, and then Brood Birthing on turn three gives you a total of four tokens, which you can sacrifice instead of paying Hand of Immerakel's mana cost to toss it into play. And that's, I think, a little bit silly to get a 7-7 turn three. There's not much that your opponent can do, especially when they're annihilating a permanent each turn. Yeah. Um, but anyway, going back to Sark in the Mad, he definitely won me a game or two just alone. Like, top deck Sark in the Mad. Oh boy! Dragon! Win! <laughs> and I know we were talking about like how he was effective against people that were gonna you know, um, you know, played something crazy like a gigantic uh, Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. I had the misfortune of playing against somebody who dropped an Ulamog's Crusher, and then mm-hmm. put Eldrazi Conscription on Ulamog's Crusher. No. And I top decked Sark in the Mad. No. <laughs> Goodbye, gigantic monster. <laughs> like, and I had like five Eldrazi tokens out. So I managed to chump wow. everything from it, I think. And you can just give him a dra- That's hilarious that you could actually just give him a 5-5 five, five red dragon creature. And the funny thing was that instead of killing Sarkin, he let he just ignored Sarkin. And the oh. next turn I made another dragon, killed his dragon, and started punching him in the face with my dragon. It made me very nice. happy. So yeah, Sarkin, we didn't really talk Sarkin about did. that, but you, know, you could really just keep making dragons. and. Yeah, I did. I made a couple dragons one turn. Only... To be met by an all is dust. Pain. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. However, I did have some Eldrazi tokens out, and with a top decked uh, Raid Bombardment, which is uh, an enchantment that says whenever a creature you control with power two or less attacks, Raid Bombardment deals one damage to a defending player. Hmm. So all those zero one uh, Eldrazi tokens that I had in We're play, dealing damage. Wow. Suddenly Timmy's. <laughs> That's awesome. And for some reason, this guy refused to block them. Even <laughs> zero ones. I don't know why he didn't. It cost him the game, but it was uh, definitely a lot of fun. Goblin Arsonist was a card that I didn't think, you know, much of. I mean, it's essentially Mog Fanatic at yeah uh, at its own speed. It actually won me a game one time. Really? Yes, on wow. its own, top decked, top decked. It won me a game because at that at that instance instant, the person I was playing against had one life left. If they attacked, I was going to block, and Goblin Arsonist would die. If I attacked, <laughs> they would have to block, and Goblin Arsonist would die. No. <laughs> if they didn't block, Goblin Arsonist would hit them for one. Deal them one damage, and they would die. <laughs> that is the wow. worst situation ever. They stared across the table at Goblin Arsonist and went, well, that's game. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the funniest situation to think about, because it's like, one mana for one one. At, at that point, was not going to do anything. But the moment that my turn came around or their attack phase came around, the game was over. 
And it was just very funny to see because he had just like kind of suddenly gotten this great board position that if I had drawn anything else, he would have won. <laughs> but with the silliest of cards, the silliest of commons, I ended up winning the game with it. Did you so find that you there guys? were multiple people playing red in yours? Ours- um, well, ours was a sealed pool. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. We each got six yeah. packs here. We were and we got sealed on decks. Um, the common colors that I saw played against a lot of. Well, actually, surprisingly, there was a, a lot of diversity, but I definitely saw a lot of red and black being played because those are the powerful removal colors. Yeah. Um, but I did see a lot of white and blue. Yeah. In fact, the one deck that I did lose against was white and black, and mm. that one happened Ooh. to have a turn one um, master. Oh, oh the, what? Uh, is that the level up white one, student of warfare? The one white student of warfare. Oh, I was gonna say, nice. what's the first turn thing that's gonna whoop your butt, student of warfare? Turn one, student of warfare. Game Ruin. over. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. It and on top of that, when I had the removal card in hand, he had Emerge Unscathed in hand. Ha! I wanted to talk about that card because we lost a game because of it. I, yes. lost, I lost a game because of it twice. Well, we Two didn't games. lose that game. We tied well, the game. Oh, that yeah. was annoying. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> that card yeah. is frustrating, especially because then it has Rebound, mm-hmm. and then the next turn it basically says target creature you control is unblockable. Yeah. Oh, man, that yeah. was an unpleasant turn of events for me. It was just so unfortunate, too, because it just seemed because he had been, like, leveling up his guy, and it seemed like he had the man attack. I, I felt like I was just so frustrated that he had the perfect card. I felt like he cheated. You know, that just, like, yeah. sense that you're just kind like, of like the no guy way. felt when you pulled up the goblin. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. there's no way. There's no way you did that. You had to have been cheating, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate that, you, you know, people will feel that way, but yeah, I definitely was a little miffed that he had the one card that was going to stop me from yeah. stopping him. And Smite was really ridiculous, too. That guy had Smites Ugh. for my, you know, Eldrazi creatures, and that was frustrating me. Yeah. <laughs> frustrating. Yeah, White definitely has some good removal. I was very satisfied. Brad and I actually played uh, together in a two-headed giant due to complications at the pre-release that we went to. Uh, I have to say that the people who hosted our pre-release did a subpar job of the whole entire thing. Not to complain too much, but we weren't actually able to sign up for anything but Two-Headed Giant, um, having arrived at, what, half an hour after the whole thing started? Yeah, it was about 10 a.m. They had run out of promo cards. Yeah. They had no boxes left for the little consolation prize boxes. And there were people walking around with like six of them because the people <laughs> came were just grabbing handfuls of them. That's not very well organized, I would say. It was incredibly chaotic and just poorly put together. We, it, we waited in line for like an hour. Yeah. And there weren't many people in line. I mean, we're talking maybe oh. like 25-foot line for an hour. <laughs> like, it, I, I don't know what they were doing. It was just... It was a nightmare. Anyway, so, long story short, Brad and I played Two-Headed Giant, because that was the only thing. And we signed up as the last team that could even do it. Otherwise, yeah. we would have had to wait, what was it, another four hours? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was disgusting. And that even started late, so it would have been even worse. It was, That's it was awful. I so am, we didn't I get didn't, the promo uh, card. We didn't, yeah, it was, oh. <laughs> Anyway, when we played, 
we, you know, with the two-headed giant, what they do is they just toss you eight packs, and as a team, you construct two decks. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had the, I, uh, I guess you could call it the opportunity to really kind of just combine the eight really forces yeah. and create two separate decks. What we did was I took the blue-white, which, as you've said, has emerged as a reasonable form of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say a very reasonable form of control. And Brad, uh, you were running, was it green-black? We had yeah, green-black. Yeah. We pulled up an Emrakul. We had a Ulamog's Crusher. Just some pretty solid, heavy cards. I, I don't remember, you know, we tossed you all of the Eldrazi spawn generation and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I'm going to talk more about my side of the deck. I'll let you talk about your side yeah. of the field. But the blue-white, I, I was really impressed with it, to be honest. Before we started, I had said something to Brad that I was like, man, I, I don't know about this deck. I mean... The only things I'm sitting at here, I'm looking at level-up cards and some mildly mildly effective evasion with the white removal spells. And that was all I had. And I had the Umbras. I took the blue and the white Umbras. I had the, uh, the Eel Umbra, the Drake Eels. Umbra. Well, yep. the funny thing was, remember how I was giving the Drake such a hard time? Mm-hmm. We almost won because of that once. <laughs> that that Umbra specifically almost helped us out enough to win at one point. Uh, it, I think we ended up, due to other reasons, lost that one match. But the uh, well, that that match specifically, um, I'm going to bounce all around the place real quick on this one. But that match, what happened was Bramble Snap just took <laughs> us down for the took us down for the. That is one card lots. I never would have thought would. Oh. Was it a ton of Eldrazi spawn that he had on the table with it? Well, no, what happened no. was, it was right at the beginning, it was second turn, and uh, Brad was sitting with the Jorga Tree Speaker. Was mm-hmm. that who it was? Yeah, Jorga yeah Jiraga. Jiraga. And they had a Bramble Snap out. I had a Skywatcher Adept, and we were sitting there, and I was like, well, the only thing he's got out is a Bramble Snap, and I've got this, you know, Skywatcher Adept. He was tapped out. I was like, there's nothing they're really going to do. So I was like, hey, Brad, let's just attack, because Jorga is a... Brad had him leveled up, so he was a 1-2. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, you got a 1-2, he's got a 1-1, one, one. he's not going to block. Well, Bramble Snap's ability is tap an untapped creature you control, he gets plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. Mm-hmm. The thing I failed to realize was he can block and tap, tap himself, <laughs> and he oh, becomes a 2-2. Oh, no. Well, we really didn't want to lose Jiraga Tree, Jiraga Tree Speaker on second turn. In fact, yeah. that was pretty much detrimental, setting Brad back infinitely in his mana. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't really come back from it. But the funny thing about it was we almost came out of it Simply through the virtue of my Skywatcher Adept, the one blue, level up for three colorless. Yes, that card is it was pretty good. insane. It just, you know, I mean, we always talk about the fact that any sort of evasion is good evasion, because mm-hmm. most people don't draft evasion. It's just a simple fact. For some reason, people don't draft evasion, unless they People don't draft win. flying specifically, but... Yeah, flying specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. And so this guy had flying, and he was just smacking him in the face for four every turn. And I had put a, I put the, I think I threw the the hyena, the hyena umbra on him. Oh well, why not? Just yeah, it was like <laughs> plus one, plus one in first strike. So they couldn't. Yeah, I think they ended up having something. 
but they, they didn't want to touch him ever because they didn't want to waste a removal spell on him because he had the to- the totem armor. Right. And he just kept hitting him. And if they hadn't had the Bramble Snap, they paired up uh, the Orin Arlid, the Bramble Snap, and the Wild Heart Invoker. Mm-hmm. And those three were kind of nasty because it, the Wild Heart Invoker can pump up the Orin Arlid, making him unblockable. <laughs> oh, my. Because creatures with power less than him can't block him. Yeah, Oranarlid really emerged in our group of games as a rock star. Yeah. Like, I know Nick, you you mentioned that you could see a lot of decks being built around him, but I mean, I I didn't. I honestly, I got one in our pool of um, sealed cards, and I was like, eh, whatever. I, I'm sure there aren't going to be that many auras, whatever. I and I didn't really pay attention to the fact that creatures with power less than him can't block it. So. The first time we played against it, we were like, wow, he gets big really fast. And you can't do anything about it because if your opponents play auras, he's bigger. Yeah. So you have a few auras, your opponents have a few auras. Especially in Two-Headed Giant, your teammate can have auras, two of your opponents can have them, and then he's just huge. He really quickly gets to be a 5-5 that can't be blocked. Yeah, it's... Best, you know, it's a two-two that can't be blocked by anything weaker than it. And the best part about that is that um, if their power is less than his, chances are that it's not going to be able to kill him, even if it can block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, the cool thing is, you know, like we could, you could just or, no, throw no, no, on the. No, that's the opposite of what's true. <laughs> that's, yeah, if it was, it'd have to be bigger than he would. Yeah. Be. Yeah. That's, if few yeah, things are bigger than what he's going to be when you attack, you throw the boar umber on him. I don't remember which one that was. It's the plus three, plus three. Just vanilla. The green. Yeah, it's just the plus three, plus three. I, I don't remember the name. I remember it's a boar. But you throw that on it there. Is oh, it is boar umber? Okay, well, there we go. You throw that on him, and he's a 6-6. Six, six. And he's huge. No, and he gets plus one, plus one. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'm not mathing right. No, it's cool. But, yeah, he's 6-6 six, six right there. Boom. In draft? <laughs> Unless someone's sitting on an Ulamog's Crusher, they're just going, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, and even then, I mean, you can get that turn four and punch them in the face for six. Yeah, or earlier if you have drag a tree speaker. Yeah, I think. Uh, one, turn two, three? three. No, it'd still be turn four because you need to play him turn three. You can't swing till turn four because well, you I mean, need still, to level you up have your him. Sparka. One, two, three. Yeah, you're right. No, it's still yeah, you still have to because you need to use the mat. You wouldn't have enough if you yeah. had any other form of. If you had Vanna, tell. no, you wouldn't be able to do it in draft. Well, but yeah, that that was just we, I was really impressed with that combo when those guys dropped that those three cards out against us. I was just going, man, that is solid. I, I had to respect that. But I was surprised that we didn't see more Eldrazi. The only time I really saw an Eldrazi was the one time someone got out a hand of a hand of. I'm looking at an Ulamog's Crusher right now, and I kept wanting to say (laughs) Ulamog. I was like, no, it's not that. Hand of Emrakul. Someone got that out against us, and it wasn't a big deal. The Annihilator Mm -hmm. won. We didn't care. We were already smashed. Sack of land. Sack of Eldrazi token for me were like, yeah, you know, Annihilator fodder. Like, oh, all right, that's not a big deal. Sack, like, two Eldrazi. And then Chump with a third one. So I had Awakening Zone in my deck, which gave me an Eldrazi token every turn that said, oh, you have a Hand of Emrakul? I don't care. Yeah, it just wow. didn't matter. I was really... I don't know. What did you think, Brad? 
Yeah, our first game, the one the one game that we lost. But we were already losing. I mean, the Eldrazi didn't really change anything. I don't think it, you know what I mean? No, it just pounded me further yeah. back. Mm-hmm. I had already lost. I don't see that. That's the thing about them, though, is that they're kind of like game enders. Like, Yeah, they're not a game changer. You're not going to come back from this, exactly. Like, It's like, yeah. okay, I have an Eldrazi in play. I clearly now have the board position. If you don't have something like now to deal with this, Okay. This is going to end the game. Like, mm-hmm. my Eldrazi versus, like, the nothing that you have, you don't have anything to stop it. That's going to stop you from coming back from this. Like, now you have to start sacking lands. Or, yeah. you know, permits that you don't want to get rid of, necessarily. Yeah, the one card that, you know, to kind of move on from that a little bit, is that we found that really caused all sorts of silly silliness was Soul's Attendant. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, oh, that game was a nightmare. We ended up going up against these people. And I honest, honest to God, their strategy was to stall. They used, they paired up Souls Attendant with it's it Glare uh, Invoker. Yeah, the top Don Glare Invoker. I don't, I don't have one. I don't. I think I have. Oh, one. Yeah, it is. Why did you let them get that much mana? <laughs> well, oh my goodness. Well, the problem is once she got there, it was just they tapped Brad out. And we're gaining life every time anything comes into play, and I, I wasn't pulling any of my, like, anything that I could do anything with. And that was the one game where I was sitting there, I was holding on to a smite, and they were, she was, it was a guy and a girl, and she was about to attack with the Donglair Invoker. Mm-hmm. And I was just, because we didn't really have, like, was it the Donglair Invoker for some reason? I don't remember. I think we had, like, Something that wasn't going to kill it for some reason. I drew a last kiss. Yeah, that's what it a, was. Really, at a perfect time where she was like tapped out and stuff. Or no, she wasn't tapped out, but I, I just thought, okay, finally, you know, they'd been locking me down for at least three or four turns. Like I, I had all the aggro on my side. You you had your one rock star, which we'll we'll talk about yeah. in a second. Oh. But I was basically the aggro and you were gonna be the control and I had like tons of stuff over on my side and I could have killed them easily in one or two turns but they kept tapping me down with that uh, Donglare Invoker and I thought oh thank god I, f- I finally pulled like a re- good removal spell for it, I got last kiss played it and what did she have emerge unscathed Boo. target creature she controls gains protection from the color of her choice until the end of turn I was I was very disheartened at that and that's that's why we had to keep on going into just letting them stall out, but it was puncturing light, not smite, that I had. I keep getting them mixed up. <laughs> I was like, man, why yeah. was it a big deal? And she almost attacked though. And puncturing yeah. light is one in a white for a destroyed target attacking or blocking creature with power three or less. And so it would have been toast. We had no way to block flying at the time. But the guy was just like, no, hang on. He probably has that white spell. And I'm just looking at him, going, no, you don't say that. No, there's no way you know this. Come on, seriously. I was just like, ah. Anyway, it was infuriating. But the one card that we had them the next turn, which was the really annoying part about it, but they took, they were stalling, on. I think they were stalling in general. They were taking forever to take their turn. I think that they realized they weren't going to win the game, and so they were just trying to be as slow as possible. Well, it didn't really matter after they called five minutes or whatever because you get they were three taking turns. time before that was the thing. I think I don't know. 
I don't think so. I don't think, I don't they, think they were, were like, intentionally taking time before that. I think that they were just going really slow. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, they were just taking forever to do things. To be fair, the woman was about 60-something, <laughs> just so everyone knows. So I was pretty amazed that she was keeping up with the game yeah, altogether. There's no sympathy on my side of the field. Either keep <laughs> up or get out of the fast lane. That's all I <laughs> say. Enough. But the card that was going to win us the next turn, the game, was the Hatta Spy Patrol. That card, oh, so beautiful. So beautiful. It's one in a blue uh, for a card with level up. The level ups gets kind of catchy, but uh, it's two in a blue. But at level three is where he just becomes, he shines. He is a 3-3 unblockable with Shroud. He was influential in pretty much... games. Yeah, almost every game we played. Yeah, that and the Skywatcher Adept just came out as sleepers. We kept those cards going on people, and there was nothing anyone could do. It, what are you going to do? He's got his 3-3 three, three with Shroud, unblockable. Okay, well, I guess we take three. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, okay, well, we take three. That's the end of that. No questions asked. And unfortunately, I never had the chance to get him enchanted before. I never got a chance to throw an you know, Umbras on him beforehand, just through virtue of how cards were drawn, but would have been kind of nice to have some sort of anything pumping him up, hyena or whatever. What were your thoughts, Brad? First, and then... That, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I didn't really have any, you know, white-blue doesn't have any really huge... I had the mammoth Umbra, but other than that... I thought we had a, we had a pretty cohesive uh, strategy, but we kind of talked about most of the, the influential green cards... That I had, Jiraga Tree Speaker was really the shining star in my deck. I, I was I, I had two from our pool, and I saw her a lot. And she's like, well, I guess we haven't really described her in detail yet, but it's a one-one Elf Druid for one green, and then it has level up of one and a green. And from levels one through four already, it starts off by. Um, she has the ability to tap to add two green mana to your mana pool. You play her first turn, and then second turn, you level her up to one, and she can replace herself. You know, it's like she can tap for two green mana already. Like you can play another thing for your for your turn for your turn two. Basically, so you don't lose any speed. And then, of course, from then on, you have this awesome, bountiful source of mana. Definitely think I would take that. In any sort of sealed or draft environment, it was awesome. Don't ever attack with her, ever, ever. ever yeah, ever, yeah. Ever. Don't ever get cocky and swing with your one-two because it's not always pretty. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Brad, just attack. I don't know. Yeah, just swing. He's fine. Okay, and I pump him. Oh, fail. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the other card we got out that literally ended the game. <laughs> And Actually, two enemies. games, but well, one was an official game that we were playing. Let's just say she got called a witch. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll filter it a little bit and see. Yes. She was a witch. I believe she's a vampire. I don't know why she they is called her a witch. <laughs> yes. It's Drana, the Calastria Blood Chief, and it's a vampire for three colorless and two black. She's a 4-4 flyer. She has this crazy, awesome ability that's so... Really good ability deliciously flavorful for a vampire which is you pay X and two black no tapping X and two black 
and target creature gets minus zero minus X until end of turn, and she gets plus X plus zero until end of turn. So once you put it out there, you don't need to play anything else. You know, like let them deal with her. It's shade on steroids. <laughs> yeah, she's guaranteed to be killing something by the most um, unquestionable killing method <laughs> in magic, which is minus X minus X, basically. Which you know, or, are toasted by for the record. Yeah. I mean, any creature that it. Totem is not saved against state based. Not saves against, yeah, negative effects that bring so, its toughness below. You know, zero. it doesn't matter. They can have 19 totems on that thing, and you give it minus enough. Good night. Yeah, so basically, she clears the field of pretty much anything except Eldrazi. Easily. I mean, she could do Eldrazi, but that's. You're talking, you know, at least 10 mana usually. But if you do, she's getting plus 10. <laughs> Yeah. And, if you okay, happen so, to kill, an, if you've got Eldrazi spawns, phew, sack those things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, not only does she kill something pretty darn easily, but she gets bigger and swings in with flying. It's it's not uncommon for her to kill one to two creatures and then, you know, be swinging for seven or eight in the air. It's pretty amazing. She's, she was definitely awesome, and anytime she hit the table, it was pretty formidable. Let's see. Uh, Vendetta. I was just oh, going to go say ahead. real quick, back to uh, Drana. You, I love the fact that she can, like you said, kill multiple creatures. Yeah. If you need to, and they have something out there that, you know, say they have a Student of Warfare out there and a, you know, like for some reason they played Draga and Student of Warfare. Six mana, kill them both. Swing in for, with a 6-6 six, yeah. six, or a 6-4. Flyer now. Anything. It, yeah. It's just cool. Or like sort of pesky things like you're not wasting a card getting rid of some of those those cards on the other side that are annoying you like i was sort of annoyed by playing against um the pawn of ulamog yes mm-hmm. and he's not like you don't want horrendous to waste a removal anything. spell on him yeah he, he's just creating eldrazi tokens every time something dies on that side and it's not like i don't know i just i got a lot of satisfaction out of killing him with drana <laughs> Especially because it's just like repeated removal, you know? You can yeah. just use it any number of times. It's not like it's going to go away. You can use it any number of times each turn. You can kill like three different things. Something it's not sorcery speed. There's like no reason. I mean, it just, it's just the double black is what gets it a little bit. Like, because then you have to mm-hmm. invest two black every time you want to use it. But yeah. it's still just great removal because it puts them on a clock for their creatures. It's like either you start attacking or that's going to die. Yeah, and she's she's a hard hitter too. Yeah, and she's just four four to begin with. A four four flyer for five and black. I mean, it's not. It's almost reasonably priced. You yeah, know, and four then, damage is so overlooked. You just yeah, you don't think of four four as being so powerful until you're playing in like that sort of environment. Until you're staring one down a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, and it has <laughs> flying too, too. So I played against somebody who pulled out a null champion turn two, and it starts at a one one for. For two and it's like whatever levels up for three next turn it's a four two if you haven't gotten wow. going and you're not like you don't have a creature on the board Whoopsie. by turn three punch that is the yeah. most painful thing ever i went from you know i almost died in like three turns because somebody had a null champion powered up and i had nothing on the board so mm-hmm. four you know un uninhibited is going to just ruin your day yeah that level up is just that's a sleeper ability right there Mm-hmm. I don't see it being that powerful out of standard, but 
in these sort of standard events, that stuff is gold. The, the sealed sort yeah, of environment. Sealed, yeah, sealed, sorry. Yeah, sealed. Yeah, they're definitely not, like, overpowered cards, but in draft and sealed, they're freaking... They're fun and really cool. <laughs> it's a welcome flavor, I say. But you wanted to talk yeah. about Vendetta, Brad. Sorry to cut you off about five minutes. <laughs> well, I, I sort of wanted to make amends with the card. I know I ranted a little bit last week about how upset I was that they were including it in the set. I think that was really ill-founded. Uh, I mean, most of the things you run across, Vendetta is going to kill them brilliantly for one black mana. That's pretty amazing removal. Yeah, it's it's going to hurt a lot to kill a an Eldrazi, but if you needed to, you still could. And you probably, you know, it's not like people are playing tons of Eldrazi. It's not like they're they're probably sacking any of the Eldrazi tokens that they've built up over the past few turns to get a big one out there. So if you destroy it, there's not much they can do. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Absolutely. And if you're playing two at a giant, you know, you have some more Bonus breathing room as far as life oh, totals. Yeah. 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 Oh, Definitely got the advantage with that. Using <laughs> Vendetta. <Soul's> attendant. <laughs> yeah. Just to uh, make silliness. Yeah. yeah. By the way, that game, both teams had a soul at- soul's attendant. That's why it was r- ridiculous. We were both gaining tons of life. Yeah, the I was really surprised that the Eldrazi didn't have as much of an influence as I assumed that they would. Uh, we I pulled a, uh, in one of the packs we opened the Emrakul. We never even played him. No, he never came out. Close. He was just. I, I think that the fifteen is a little bit too intense to pull out. Yeah. I think that the the eight, the nine, the ten, the eleven, even. But the 15 is just a touch too much to get out unless you're working in a magical situation. <laughs> magical. Yeah. <Badoo>. Yeah. <laughs> you're magical not. Christmas well, band. yeah, it's just, it was too much. Brad could get mm-hmm. up to, you know, 10, 11, 12 sometimes with his Eldrazi spawns, but he couldn't quite get to 15. Should have had the Eldrazi temple like I did. Oh, well, <laughs> we should have worked on pulling those. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. practice. Maybe we can practice opening some more booster tracks. Booster there you tracks. go. <laughs> you know. Trooster backs. Well, Nick, um, you said you played it with Eldrazi in your deck. Were you able to get them out pretty consistently? What's What's funny about that is I, I don't think I ever had... Well, no, there were actually maybe, maybe one or two times where Eldrazi Temple came in handy, but for the most part, I didn't... Being only one of them in my deck... It didn't nope. show its face enough for it to be that powerful. I was just looking at it. I didn't realize that it was a rare, so when I pulled it as my rare, I was a little pissed off. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, really? In this environment, and I, that's the card I pull? Oh, man. Yeah. But it actually helped a couple times. Um, I played a Ulamog's Crusher mm-hmm. earlier than I normally would have, which was, I think I definitely won that game because of that. Yeah, if we, I don't know, the Crusher, it's hard to say because that first game where we lost due to my poor attention span, I guess, against the Bramble Snap, we really could have had the Crusher out by turn five, four or five, and could have six, been. Six, I believe. Was, was it six? Yeah, it was okay. six. I don't know, we just, you never drew any lands after that, though, and it really could have changed things with the Annihilator. We could have gotten rid of those things that were bothering us, so I, I can't say for certain that it wouldn't have helped to have gotten him out. But yeah, I think that I think... the level-up ability was far, 
superior to the Eldrazi for the Yeah, it was a lot more consistent. Yeah. Okay, a Skywatcher Adept is one blue. Which is easier to get? One blue or eight colorless? <laughs> you know? I yeah. would rather keep paying three colorless. I, and that was the cool thing with the Skywatcher Adept is I was able to just dump three at the end of the turn if I didn't need any control. I could just dump three into him. Yep. Level him up. Obviously, you know, you can't do it as a sorcery on their turn, but if I'm not doing anything anyway, just dump it in, boom. He's he's better. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. And the levels were less intimidating than I thought. Like, I don't know. It seemed like such a an insane thing to get even a simple card like Beastbreaker of Balaged, oh, the one that gets... Yeah, he gets to be a 6-6 six, six trample at level 4 plus. Yeah, and you I, did that multiple times. Yeah. When I was looking at them before, I just thought, level 4, geez, that's 12 mana. It's... I don't know. It just didn't, didn't seem worth it. But in these sealed formats, it's really not that hard to do because it's not like you have definite draws coming every turn so you mm-hmm. you have kind of extra mana sitting around a yeah, lot of times just turns your other cards into better cards mm-hmm. yeah gain some experience through some mana uh i just found beast breaker at f- just a four four to be pretty solid anyway like turn two play yeah. return them to four four start hitting yeah or with uh jiraga or whatever he comes out with her on turn <clears throat> two that was pretty amazing yeah i found that that the counterspell, too, the two blue return of land you control to your hand, mm-hmm. that was a really effective card. I had no problems with that counterspell. That's probably the least hatred I've had for a counterspell in a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, it's, though? It's slightly better than cancel. Yeah. You lose I, the, you know, the land, but, I mean, it's not like you... In that format, you're just going to... Oh, well, I didn't draw land this turn. I'll just replay my land. Yeah, it's fine. No one's really running that tuned in of a deck anyway to where you're going to really notice a difference. One card that I was really disappointed that never once came up while we were playing was Distortion Strike. It's one blue for target creature gets plus one plus zero until end oh, of turn. Oh, yeah. blockable. Doesn't it yeah. Really Two-headed well? giant. When I'm just, yeah. you know, running shield, I, I was running the blue-white control, basically, you know, trying to make, whenever Brad, I was trying to keep him moving, keep him powered, Plus one, plus zero with rebound? Mm-hmm. I, I, unblockable, not plus one. Plus, unblockable with rebound. <laughs> plus one, plus zero with rebound? This is craziness. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Unblockable. That's two turns of an unblockable creature. When you're looking at someone who's holding Oranarlids that are six sixes, make him unblockable for two turns, and someone's hurting badly. Yeah, it would have been sweet. Would have been. Never once saw it. I played the Phantasmal Abomination once as well. The two blue and a colorless. When he becomes the target of a spell or ability, sacrifice him. That would have been fun had I not played it the turn that someone had played a spell with rebound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to pay attention to those because those will come back and bite you. Well, yeah, it, I think it was even, was it, uh, it wasn't an emerge unscathed. It was just a simple, it was that green pump. With rebound, mm-hmm. and, yeah, yeah, it, I didn't think about it at all. It, it didn't hit me yeah. that he would target my phantasmal abomination with the rebound. I had a guy do that with his. Uh, he played something right after I played a stagger shock. Yeah, I'll like, stagger shock that, and he goes, "Okay, 
that I did on the end of like on my turn. I was like, I'll stagger track that before he untaps. You can't level it up or anything. He's like, okay. Yeah. It dies. He plays something else. I'm like, okay, on my upkeep, stagger shock that. He's like, no, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You're just like, oh, sad phase. <laughs> no one expects stagger shock. I love that card so much. Someone played a Luminous Wake once on oh my goodness, our Drana. Yeah. And the funny thing about it was it was okay. <laughs> it didn't matter. We were able to still deal damage with her. Which like, is always a good thing. That just to completely change the subject. <laughs> Sorry, I got a little ADD going on there. But that yeah, what's what's Luminous Wake again? The two colorless and a white. Uh, you enchant a creature, and whenever enchanted creature attacks or blocks, you gain four life. They thought they were going to shut her down, you know, because she's a four-four. They're going, oh well, you know, just drop that on her, and she's done. Well, guess what? She's still popping creatures, and she's still whenever she pops the creatures dealing. Whatever she dealt, you know, whatever over yeah. four to them is boom, Believe done. It, or not, it is not a pacifism. Yeah. Yeah. Still pretty cool, though. I like the flavor of that card. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was on the only the way I creature, saw it. That is obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody play that on the, uh, I think it's the Iracle Outrider. Oh, well, I, don't I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's, I think it was a, it's like a two, six, uh, and then it could level up to become like a, Something I don't know. I think it was maybe a one five. It, it just got bigger and it had a huge toughness. Yeah, it, had it just got big and dumb. It didn't have a lot of power, but it had a lot of toughness, and so you could like swing with it, vigilance, and then uh, keep it back for blocking. A guy played luminous uh, wake on that, and he would like attack, and I wouldn't be able to kill it because it had a huge toughness. So I'd you know, wow. chump it with a wall, and then wow. when I'd attack, he'd just chump whatever I you know, and he'd gain like eight life each turn. Wow. And I was just like, ah, oh. yep, I would still get through with some damage. So like. But he hovered around like twenty life, yeah. For a majority of the game, and I was just like, "Stop doing that!" And I killed it, <laughs> and then he got another one, and he played another luminous wake on it, and I'm just like, "Ah!" And finally, I got, you know, enough damage on the board where he couldn't block, and mm-hmm. I killed him. But it just it took me like a bunch, so many turns just to get him underneath twenty life. Yeah, that's a good point though. There was some pretty pretty fun life gain I thought in this set. There weren't that many cards. Uh, the three that really stood out in my mind were the Luminous Wake, the Souls Attendant, and the Lone Missionary. Um, the Lone Missionary was... Uh, it's a 2-1 for a colorless and a white. Yes! And when he enters the battlefield, you gain four life. Yep. Uh, I think that's awesome. 2-1 for a colorless and a white? Alright, it's fine. Gain four life? Yeah! <laughs> Why not? You know, he's a great blocker. Just toss him. You don't need him for anything else. He'll kill, you know, any of the early game stuff that's going to come at you. He'll hold off some damage. So overall, I, Brad and I ended up placing fourth in our uh, little the pod that we were playing in, which was pretty cool. I would say that I think there weren't that many teams. I think there were only, what, 20 teams? That is by far the most two-headed giant teams I've seen playing, <laughs> even in one pod. Like, usually when I play two at a giant, it's with maybe ten teams. I think most of that's attributable to the fact that it was run poorly and the no one was able to sign up for anything but two-headed giant. Yeah, probably. Which was kind of dumb. I mean, it made it fun for the two-headed giant, I guess. There was a lot mm-hmm. of teams. But yeah, we took fourth in that. In the end, I think that the green-black smackdown with the blue-white shield just... The only game we lost was 
basically user error. I would say that it's very debatable whether or not we would have lost that. I mean, with the Crusher out, you would have been, you know, taking out two of his guys every turn. I I think we easily would have won that. I actually had Emrakul in my hand, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that ever would have happened. I don't think that that would have changed much as far as Emrakul was concerned, because, you know, you never made enough to play the Crusher, really, even. So uh, I just think that it would have shut them down. As far as that was concerned, yeah. I, I think that we had some serious synergy going on as far as the two-headed giant was concerned. I know that, Nick, uh, you had a special situation as far as your tournament. Yeah. Everyone, basically, we'd been there for almost 10 hours at this point. Uh, a lot of us showed up at, like, 1130, and, you know, we're sitting around waiting for the thing to start. Being a seal, it takes, you know, a good one to two hours for everyone to get their decks built and figure get their cards sleeved and everything, and then sit down, get paired up, and then even start playing. So it's like 9 o'clock, and uh, we're all just like, all right, it's getting to be top 16. We all just kind of want to go home. So basically what happened is we all just decided we're going to just say, all right, everyone draws, and then we each just split the top prize between 16 people, which was a still healthy amount of nine packs apiece. I could not argue with that, especially not knowing that I did not have, you know, the best deck out there. Yeah. But a reasonably uh, powerful one um, because I had gone four and one up to this point, you know, four match wins and then one match loss. So I, I really couldn't argue with nine packs at this point. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, did you get anything cool in the bonus packs? I know that the last time I talked to you, you said you hadn't had a chance to open them yet. I ended up opening another Sark in the Mad. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that made me super happy. Uh, I also opened, I think her name is Linvala, the Keeper of Silence or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Four mana, three, four, flying, activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be played. Oh, Ooh. level up killer. I remember that. Yep, yep, stops level up. That one. Uh, so I was excited about, and they're both mythic rares, so I was a little excited about both of those. Aside from that, I think I got a Pestilence Demon. Uh, hey, that was, was a cool one. I like that. Cool. I, I don't think anything else I was super excited mm-hmm. about, but I mean, like, the, the two that I wear was Sark the Mad and the uh, Linvala. Mm-hmm. I have my prize cards right here. Let me shuffle through them for a moment. Well, I was kind of excited in our prize cards that we won. I picked up a uh, Colony Hydra, which in and of itself isn't that amazing of a card. I mean, it's cool if you're running an elf deck or for whatever reason, you know. I mean, yeah, playing mm-hmm. for free. But they had the artist on site, Todd, the Todd Lockwood. So I got him to sign it. So I got a nice mm-hmm. Colony Hydra signed in gold ink right now that... Maybe we can take a picture of it and slap it on the website, show it off, let everybody see it, you know? <laughs> yes. But I don't think, other than that, i got to consume the Meek, which I'm really excited about, throw that in my casual play vampire deck and have fun yeah. with other things. Unfortunately, you know, it Oh, my goodness. Didn't... I didn't say? look at this card when I... Uh, <laughs> this is a prize card, one of my prize pack cards. Coral Helm Commander. I don't know if you guys saw this guy at all. Um, is that the Merfolk dude? Yeah, the two blue for a two two. You level up for one. Yes. At level two comes a three three flyer, and then at level four he gets. Uh, he's a four four flying, and other Merfolk you control get plus one plus one. Yeah, that was that would have been fun. Okay, <laughs> I think Brett would like that guy. <laughs> I think Zach. Zach actually was in a draft, and he said that that rare got passed around the whole draft. <laughs> he like he picked it up at the end. 
Well, I don't think anyone was running Merfolk, so... No. So I, I it's still a 3-3 I know, I would have taken a 3-3 flyer. Well, again, yeah. nobody likes flying in these drafts. Everyone just looks so, it over. Yeah, I don't understand you guys, why. I don't either. Did you guys get any Ogre Cleavers? Ogre's Cleaver? No, we didn't. The only equipment we got five, was plus one. That one is I think I did, disgusting. Actually. It's like, hey, my guy is disgustingly huge. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I don't know. I didn't pay too much attention to everything you threw in your deck, unfortunately, Brad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like we all had a lot of fun at our pre-release events. I'm looking forward to maybe... I don't think I'll be able to attend a, a release event, but I definitely uh, would like to get one of the uh, the the Lord of Shatterskull Pass. Didn't, didn't you get one of those, Josh? I'm trying to think. I, that sounds really familiar. I'm flipping through my cards right now. What was that one? I'm blanking out. I don't know. I can't remember any of these cards now. He deals like, at at his ultimate level up, he deals six damage to all the other creatures. Oh, yes, Uh, I did. I pulled him in my bonus. Uh, Can't find him right now. The the defending player controls? Kind of sad. A little bit silly. Yeah, he was really cool. I like that. Yep. He's apparently the release card, so I'd kind of want to go to just pick up an alternate art foil one of him, but at the same time, I don't know if I want to... If Front Range Magic is hosting it, uh, make sure you don't go to that one. <laughs> you probably <laughs> won't get a pack. Or just show up like two hours early. Is that this weekend, Nick? Yes, that would be this weekend. Because the next yeah. weekend is our PTQ qualifier. Hooray. I do not have time this weekend, unfortunately. A standard deck, that. yeah. I believe we've uh, discussed the living daylights out of Eldrazi anyway for the upcoming <laughs> We'll have some yep. fresh new stuff for people listening in next week. We plan on uh, staging an invasion of uh, Magic Headquarters in order to see what they're up to. <laughs> well, actually, we did buy the uh, Planeswalker. The, not the Planeswalkers. The Coalition Phyrexia dual decks. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. We were able to go through those multiple times. And uh, we're not going to discuss them in the podcast, actually. It's probably going to be coming up. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it in the podcast. I'm not sure yet, but definitely keep a, an eye on our website. We'll have some stuff up about that and what we found about it and whether or not it actually is balanced. I know that was a, something that we were talking about. So keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, that about wraps it up, and stay tuned next week. To snag your copy of our awesome book, or for more on Eldrazi and magic in general, head over to www.casualplaneswalker.com or hit us up on Facebook at the Casual Planeswalker page. Thanks for waking my cowling. <laughs>